I was blessed to have grandparents that lived a pretty long uh, time. And uh, one of my um, grandparents, uh, the one that I always tell you, he, he said at 87, that, hey, Doc, I hear what you're saying I got, but what I really got is high mileage on rough roads. That's the one that got, I got that from. In fact, I've learned over time, any of this weird sense of humor, my wife often says this, please don't share, Craig, your jokes with someone you just met because they're not going to come back, okay? So if you're a first-time guest with us, uh, I may seem crazy, but I promise you, um, I love the Lord with all my heart. But one of my granddaddy's um, big deals in life was uh, he was a, 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 a new car salesman and a used car salesman uh, for many years. And he always made it very, very clear. He was the one that made it possible for me and my brothers to even have a, have a vehicle. Now, sometimes we had those kind of vehicles that sometimes it was running and sometimes you ran beside it. But some of you know what I'm talking about. But he, he, he tried to inform you on how to take care of the car. And so he would just preach religiously what used to be preached to anybody uh, back in the day when, it, it, when this was the rule of thumb. And that was, um, listen, make sure that you get this vehicle serviced either every 3,000 miles or three months. Now, obviously, I know the, the newer the car, you know, you, you, you seem to be able to go longer these days. But listen, in this day and age... You can feel like some days that you traveled 3,000 miles. In fact, you can find yourself quickly in this life, physically, mentally, and, and spiritually unhealthy. And listen, if you don't do what's necessary to keep yourself spiritually healthy, you will not be spiritually healthy. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, at best, you're just going to come to church Okay, now again, that's a whole lot better than 75% of the culture. So I want you to pat yourself on the back and say, listen, great job. But even us just coming to church, it's not enough to keep us, if you want to say, between the lines, focused on the cross, taking up our cross each day. And so today, if, if, you, if it's your heart's desire to, to be and live spiritually healthy so that you won't become easy prey, for the devil's schemes, you're in the right place today. I'm going to share with you some things that are critical for that. But let's look at this scripture. Ephesians 6, 11, and 12 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You might as well say that we're all in a spiritual tug of war. In fact, if you're not careful, you'll, you'll take the bait that Satan's throwing out all the time to not just get you, you ticked, but get you rolling the wrong direction. Today, God wants to open up the hood of your heart. He wants to look inside, and he wants, to, you, want, he wants you to allow him to rearrange anything that might not be the way it needs to be. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. See if there is any offensive way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. By the way, you can't get headed the right way until your heart gets realigned. So, so don't try to fix your life before you allow God to fix your heart, because if, you're, if your heart's out of balance, your life will be out of balance. 
I'm going to share with you seven keys, not in any particular order, but in somewhat of an order of significance when it comes to you being spiritually healthy. The first thing is this. You have to ask yourself, am I walking humbly with God? Am I, not, not the person next to you, am I walking humbly with God? You say, what does that mean? Am I telling God what I'm going to do and ask him and asking him to bless my plans? Or am I saying, God, you call the shots. I humble everything that I have, everything that I'm to become, everything that I'm to pursue over to you. When I first got God's call into ministry, I was just 18 years of age, and, and it was extremely new to me to surrender my future. Okay, I grew up a pastor's son, but I still didn't understand surrender. And, and so I had to learn very quickly as a pastor that, that if I give it to God, I got I to gotta give it to God completely. And so when I made a decision at 18 uh, to say, Lord, from this point forward, I'm going to allow you to dictate my vocation as well as my direction, that was a resolve in my heart. I've been having to make that decision every day for the rest of my life. It's basically kind of like with marriage. You keep saying, I do. You keep saying, I do, for better or worse. But Scripture tells us in Micah 6, 8, it says, Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good and that this is what he requires of you. Do what's right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Listen, before you try to fix any of your problems or you try to figure out anything in life or do anything with anybody else, you got to, what do they say? You got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You got you to get to where not just your, your hands are folded, but your heart is humbled. If you're like me, you know what it's like to think that you're living humbly and really you're living pridefully. You're caring more about what other people think, but you're not caring about the, the main audience that you should, and that is the Lord. What does the Lord think about your heart? What does the Lord think about your attitude? Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, Jesus, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a, a criminal's death on a cross. Listen, from the, the moment that he surrendered his life to the Lord until the moment he took his last earthly breath, he was living humble to God and obedient to God. Listen, if I've surrendered it all to God, then I'm the soldier, he's the commander then I'm the son or the daughter, and he's the father. We have to sometimes have that childlike faith to where we're like, okay, you know what? No matter how old we get, there is a God, and I'm not him. Scripture says, you write the scripture down, James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord, and then he will lift you up. Listen, sometimes when you come to the altar, the, 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 the prayer doesn't need to be, God, will you fix this? Will you do this? Will you do that? But Lord, will you take over all of me? And will you help me to live humble before you? Scripture says to be still and know that I'm God. Listen, sometimes we forget that he's God, and so then our lives get all out of line because we're trying to play God. I put that cape on many, many a time. 
You know, there's tons of times as a, as a pastor. You know, I, I just text my wife. I, I do this kind of crazy stuff every now and then. I, I text my wife just, just yesterday morning. I said, listen, it is just tough to be a pastor in this day and age. I said, you, you can do everything you possibly think you can do, and yet at the same time, you're like, listen, again, y'all know my favorite terms. It's still hillbilly deluxe, two pickup trucks. And I'm the chief hillbilly, okay? And, and, and then I, I realized, thankfully, it's not my job to fix everything or figure everything out. My primary calling in life is to make sure that I have humbled myself before God and that I'm walking with him so that he can work through me. And you've got to remember, if anytime you get away from the walk with God, you get caught up in trying to work for God. But secondly, you need to ask yourself, am I spending time daily with God? Am I spending time daily with God? This, this second thing here, this was going to be the message, okay? And, and, we, and we probably are going to unpack that next week or the week after. That's what I worked on the most for, for today's message. And then God brought me back to this and said, no, get, just give them a, give them a broad uh, perspective to get realigned. And, but I want to touch on this. I think the most critical thing that we can do to keep humbly walking with God is to make sure that as we schedule our daily appointments, that we are scheduling God into our daily routines. This is an area of my life that God is wanting to rekindle. I go through many a season with this. I'll get, I'll get really to where, man, I, 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 gotta, I keep a prayer journal. That's just something I've always liked to, to do that keeps me in rhythm, that keeps me accountable. I'm like, okay, I want to I make sure each day that, that I read some scripture or chapter out of the Bible. Uh, I want to make sure that I intentionally pray. And then sometimes for me, that journaling is just where I intentionally um, make sure that I'm praying specifically, both for my surrender of faith, but for the faith of my family, my friends, and ministry. You know, it's so easy to walk out the door, and again, you take on the day, but you didn't take God with you through the day. Listen, I ask you, are you spending daily and quality time in God's presence, seeking, seeking God's peace, seeking God's purpose, being still before God. Some of you, 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 you work uh, in environments that are very stressful to you. You need God's peace. You need, you need to know that you've given him the day as you go to take on things that are wearing you down. Luke 5, 16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often withdrew. He got away from the madness. Listen, Jesus was always being tugged on. Scripture says he could even feel it when someone was, was tugging at the hem of his garment. Now listen, I, I, I'm sure plenty of you live busy lives. I know what it's like for somebody to be calling my name 24-7. And so I, I learned this real cool thing. First of all, I learned how to put this cell phone on, on silence. Did you know it had that feature? And, uh, and then I even learned how to put an emergency override on it. That way if my mama calls, I answer. But I'm being serious when I tell you that, that, that I and you, we have to learn that no matter how busy we are or how bombarded life may um, be to us, if we don't have times that we pull away and step away, we're going to run out of gas. 
We're going to operate like a car that's not been serviced. You see the light on, you're like, man, it says check your engine soon. You just keep on going. You keep hitting the coast. You keep thinking, okay, well, well, yeah, God will work it out. But listen, what if God, listen, the biggest breakthrough God does is through you first. And so if you miss what God's wanting you to, to hear from him and, 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 and pour into you and lead you to do, you've missed the key steps that he wants for you that day. That's the biggest thing. Listen, you got to be willing to let God wreck your schedule and change your thinking and lead your approach. And listen, walking with God is a daily thing. Maybe this will help you. Do like I do. Set you an alarm on your phone for a time that you know is likely the um, uh, least interrupted time in your day. For me, that's the morning. And you make sure you got an alarm set that says, hey, have you spent time with God? I, I still have to do that because you go, well, you're a preacher. You should be remembering that. Listen, I could be preparing a message and yet not seeking the Lord for myself. That make sense? I can just prepare to preach to you, or I can, first of all, just seek to walk with him. And that's really the key. If you ask me what do I aim to do week in and week out, is to make sure that I am connected to the, to the power source so that he can pour to me and through me, and all I pray is I'm like, listen, I hope they don't see me up here. I hope they just see that cross. I hope they just hear your voice because I'm not trying to bring an agenda to you. Jesus didn't have an agenda. He just wanted what God wanted. Luke 9, 23 says, Jesus said to the crowd, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross daily and follow me. Every day that you wake up, you got to die a little so that he can take over you. I've told you before, I still keep this passage of Scripture I'm going to read in the front of every Bible that I own. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I have never had a time in my life if I was completely yielded to God and seeking his will and determined to, to carry out his purpose and, and do things just the way he said and keep taking the next right step. I have never, ever, ever in 30 years of ministry seen that fail. Never. I've never had a service. I've never had a situation. I've never had a funeral. I've never had a council session that if God was in it, that we didn't win it. And it didn't have anything to do with being ultra um, confident in myself. It, you, you know what I'm saying? The more your confidence is in Christ, the more confident you are. Because then you aren't so concerned about you messing it up. So you got to walk with God. you gotta, you got to make sure you have time with God daily. But thirdly, ask yourself, am I wholeheartedly seeking God's will? Am I wholeheartedly seeking God's will? When I wake up each day, am I aiming to do what I want or is my top goal to do what God wants? Just because you're not a pastor, if you call yourself a Christ follower, a Christian, you're not just supposed to be referencing Jesus. You're supposed to be following Jesus. One of the main reasons that we need to be still before God daily and often is so that we can specifically pray, not our will, but his will be done. Look how Jesus told us to pray. Matthew 6, 9, and 10. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you don't know any other way to pray, that is a powerful prayer. 
God, not my will, but your will be done. God, I don't even know what to pray for, but I want your will to be done. God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want your will to be done in my life and in the lives of those around me. That's all I ever pray for any of my boys. I, I pray for God's will. I, 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 can't, I can't lead them to that. I can't push them to that. I can't make them do that. I pray that, first of all, I would be a great example of seeking his will, and then I pray that they will find their way to him. Because, listen, I want you to hear this. You can't just say God has a plan and keep writing your script. Okay? You can, God's got a plan for you, but you're not going to discover it your way. You're not going to discover it in a, maybe in a way that you picture. It's about taking that next right step. Look at what Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 says. God says, for I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You don't stop there. It says in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God knows when we're seeking just for a bailout, like, God, get me out of this pinch. Get me out of this situation. God, fix everything around me. Everybody prays that. God's looking for you to surrender everything, and that starts with you first. Am I seeking wholeheartedly? Because, listen, do you know what the greatest commandment is? What did Jesus say? Jesus said the greatest commandment is this. He said, out of all the things you could do, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That means give him everything. But number four says, am I becoming more like Jesus? Am I becoming more like Jesus? The goal of every Christian is not to become a greater image of yourself but a greater image of your God. A greater image of your Savior. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Listen, we, we are to become more and more like Christ the more that we grow in Christ. And you say, well, how do we grow? You do everything you can to position yourself to allow God to take over you, to allow God to, to shape you or reshape you and, 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 and guide both your, your thinking, your perspective, your direction, your steps. Listen, we must position ourselves to keep growing in Christ. When you came to church, that's why I say it's a big deal that you came, it at least says, hey, I'm trying to pursue the Lord. I'm trying to see what God might have for me. Or I realize, hey, there is a God and I'm not him and I need him in my life. The key for you to keep going where God has for you is for you to keep growing. I, I, um, I, for the last four or five years, um, uh, I was, I've always been one of those people, I seek out accountability, okay? I don't wait for it to come to me. I seek it out because I know I'm a hot mess and I need help. And and so um, about a month ago, I, um, I, I finally, after four years of praying and processing and looking, uh, I found this, this person from North Carolina that is a, a pastoral coach to me, and uh, he's got some years on me, um, but he's got genuine heart, and he's got a lot of, um, he, he, he knows, he understands the ministry, and, um, and he, he just knows how to speak into my life. 
And so my number one reason for getting that pastoral coach uh, was, was, listen, we all need someone to speak into our lives. If you're not letting the right people speak into your life, you, you're missing key stuff. Because as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And so when we come together here, we, we, we get to grow. But even the, the friends that we, we have and, and the steps that we take, they all dictate whether or not we're going to keep growing in Christ. And that's why, listen, sometimes a person can be in church all of their life and never go much further in their walk with Christ because they didn't grow. Second Peter 3, 17 and 18 says, I'm warning you ahead of time, dear friends, be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Listen, some, sometimes just even someone getting out of the fellowship of being with other believers, it can, you start drifting with the culture. Instead of, instead of becoming um, the, the transforming agents of Christ, you, you by default, you conform. You conform, and, and God's not told us to conform to the Joneses, but to be transformed in Christ. But if you're truly growing in Christ and in the mind of Christ, you will love other people more. You know why? Because God loves people more than anything, and so should we. If you're truly growing in Christ, you will seek to be a godly example. If you're truly growing in Christ, you will inspire other people to grow. You will be looking for ways to share your faith. But, la but number five, am I living with eternity in mind? Am I living with eternity in mind? I, it's just my belief when I say this. I'm, I'm one of those that really, really gets motivated out of a sense of urgency. I believe this. If you aren't living like you're dying, you aren't living life fully. If you aren't living like you're dying, you aren't living life fully. Listen, don't just ponder what matters temporarily here but what are you doing that will even matter a hill of beans when you draw your last breath listen you have to consider uh you have to consider death okay because guess what all of us are going to die one day some of us sooner than later some of us younger than older and if you aren't thinking about that then all of a sudden that sneaks up on you and then you, you go, well, I would have and could have and should have done this. Only reason that I started a church in Colleton County, the only reason was literally I was motivated. This is my second church that I started from the ground up. I, I, I was motivated by this. Craig, if you had six months or less to live, what would you do? A, B, C, or D? And that brought me back to this. I, you, you know why? I wanted to do what I felt like would lead the most possible people to Christ. Because in the end of the day, that is all that's going to matter. Did you know Jesus and did you go his way? Did you know Jesus and did you go his way? Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus said, he said, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and, and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Listen, whatever your greatest values are in your life, they will drive you. If that's your family, it will drive you to do what you can do for your family. If it's your faith, your faith will guide you. 
you've got to understand, listen, all of us are living in a temporary residence. All of us. Everything we have and all the time that we have, it's, it's just borrowed time. Hebrews 13, 14 says, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. That is why I pretty much annually I put together my own funeral. Most people are like, well, are you, are, you, are you planning something that we didn't know about? This is what I try to plan. I try to ask myself at least annually, what message do I hope my life will preach? What message do I hope my life would preach? I can tell you right now, at the end of my life, I want there to be people as far as the east is from the west that say, hey, that man in some way, form, or fashion led me to Jesus. I want my kids to not go, well, hey, he was a preacher, but he didn't care about us, and he wasn't around. I want my wife, listen, I, I, I really believe this. Um, I should value more what my wife thinks about me than you think about me because she sees me all the time. And by the way, she does a good job of trying to keep me straight. Okay? Sometimes she puts me in time out, and sometimes I'm like, listen, I better run. Okay? That's your little tidbit for today. Used to be you used to do that all the time early in marriage. Any of you any of you that have been married for any length of time, you know what I'm saying. You just you got to know when to run, fellas. Okay. But I ask you, if you died today, what would other people say you valued? What would you have left behind of value that impacts their lives for eternity? 1 Peter 2.11 says, Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. 1 Peter 4.7 says, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Listen to me. If you don't intentionally do it, you will not do it. You have to be extremely intentional. There's plenty of times my mind gets drifted away just like yours with what's going on in this culture or different things that, that I have going on. And that's why that time with God's so important because you got to dial back in and you say, God, how can you use me today to make an eternal impact in somebody's life? There's somebody who needs to hear your story. There's someone that needs to have your prayers. There is someone that can be touched by the love, lift, and lead of your life. But number six, ask yourself, am I giving God all my burdens? Am I giving God my burdens? Listen to this part. Here's why I put this in here. Anytime we are carrying our burdens on our shoulders and not giving it to God and putting it on his broad shoulders, we will be overwhelmed. I mean, we will be overcome by fear. You're always living in one or two modes. Either your faith is overcoming your greatest fear or your greatest fear is overcoming your faith. And Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. God does not have to fix all of your problems for you to have the peace of God that you've given him all your problems. That's what I call soul rest. You can have peace and still have chaos around you. You can have peace and still not have everything figured out, but you believe and you trust that God's working it out. Psalm 55, 22 says, Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. He will not 
permit the godly to slip and fall. This one's huge for you to hear, whether you've been in church for a short period of time or all your life. You need the covering of God. You need to believe that, hey, I'm taking the next right step, and to the best of my ability, I've given everything over to the Lord. There comes a confidence with that. There's a peace in that, because you know why? You've done everything you can do, and now you've released it to God. You've released it to God. You, you, we often say, let go, let God. But it is the key. But last but not least, am I continuing to repent and obey? Am I continuing to repent and obey? Listen, repentance, it is not a one-time thing. I want you to write that down. Repentance of sin is not a one-time thing. You have to have a daily cleansing. In fact, I, I heard a gentleman say this one time, and I've adopted it ever since. God Keep me clean and close to you. It's got to be in that order. Cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. Show me where I am out of your will and, and lead me closer to you. Listen, I want you to hear this. You cannot come closer to God and still hold on to willful disobedience. I want you to hear this real clearly. You cannot feel a greater peace with God even if it's just one area, you're saying, but God, I'm holding that back from you. 1 John 5, 1, 5 through 10 says, This is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Listen, when you allow God to shed light on your, your heart, all of a sudden the darkness is revealed. And it doesn't matter what you think you're hiding from others. God sees all. God knows all. And he knows whether or not you are seeking wholeheartedly to turn from your way and turn to his way. And what's so beautiful about his forgiveness is it doesn't matter what you've done. The moment that you sincerely repent of that sin and you give it to God, he forgives you instantly. He does not hold it against you. Matthew 4, 17, Jesus, it said, began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God. It's always this way. This is the way you get back in rhythm with God. Repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You say, what is sin? James 4, 17 gives us a definition. Remember, it is sin to know whatever you ought to do and then not do it. Listen, as God's word reveals his will, then that shows you how you're to live, what's right, what's wrong. And we have to live according to his rule book. And by the way, every time I open his rule book, he gives me something else I got to be convicted about. Like I tell you, I always go to this one. When, when I read the scripture that said, hey, um, husbands love your church, your, your wife as, as Christ loved the church so that your prayers won't be hindered. I'm like, let me, let me get things right with the missus so I can get on with this right relationship. And I'm being serious. You know, first thing I start looking at is, okay, well, how are things going in my relationships? And, and what, what, is, what, are, what are they seeing? Matthew 3, 8 says, prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want you to allow God to, to just help you do some, some self-reflection as I'm doing and I have done all this week. 
Ask yourself, are the things in your life that you know God has been convicting you about, yet you keep on doing the same thing over and over again? Are you willing to repent? Are you genuinely wanting to turn from those things and turn to Him? Are there things in your life that you know God is not pleased with and yet you will not or have not repented of those things? You've not let Him in to that one thing, that one area that you know He wants to take control over. The Scripture says in James 4, 7-8, through 8, So humble yourselves before God. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Heavenly Father God, I pray that it would be my heart's desire to turn from anything in my life that is not pleasing in your sight. God, I know you, you know all. I know you see all. I know you've got 24-7 surveillance of what I do. God, I, I ask, Lord, for you to change my attitude where it might be wrong, to align my perspective where it might be wrong, to guide my path where it might be wrong. And, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you would lead me in the way everlasting. And God, I pray that the people who are listening right now, Lord, they would know that, yes, you are a loving God, but you are also a holy God. And Lord, the only way they can get where you have for them and the plans that you prepared for them, Lord, they've got to surrender to you. They've got to be willing to turn everything over to you and turn from their way, God. Asking your forgiveness for, for the error of their ways, God, and, and, and embracing your grace and forgiveness and walking in a new way of life. God, I pray for the person who might be carrying the heaviest burden today, God. Lord, I thank you that there's not a sin so big that your son can't forgive. Lord, I thank you that there's not a, a sin and, and, and a bondage so great that your son can't break the chains of that addiction of that pursuit, of that way of life. God, I pray today, Lord, that all of our hearts would be humbled before you. And Lord, we would allow you to take us by the hand and walk us through and to what you have for us. Lord God, as this altar is open, I pray, Lord, that each person would know, Lord, all of us in here, we're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace, seeking a loving God and a loving Savior that died for us anyway. And Lord, we thank you for the grace and the mercies that you pour out to us each day. May we surrender all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? This altar is open. I'm available here as well.